You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, is there anyone glad that it's rained? It's good. It's a little bit cooler in here today, which is all good news. But it's also good as we get this stark reminder of what the British summer can be like, that there is some forecast for it to be nice again later in the week. This is all good. Well, we're going to turn this morning, if you've got a Bible or a device, I'm going to be preaching from Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 4 to 13. So if you want to follow with me and turn there right now. That's Philippians chapter 4. And if you're someone who likes to take notes and likes to have a title this morning, then the title is really, really simple. It's this, You Can Do It. You Can Do It. And we're going to let Paul speak to us this morning from these words along these lines. So let's read from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you'd had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying that because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this or all things through him who gives me strength." Wonderful. This is the word of God. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Well, this is God's word. Paul had learned that he could do all things in Christ's strength. And I want Paul's words to come and to speak to us this morning to encourage us that we also in Christ, we can do it whatever challenge you might be facing. I don't know if you've ever found yourself so hard-pressed that you've begun to think, I'm not sure I'm going to make it through this. I don't know if I'm going to come out the other side. I don't know if I'm going to make it through. It was a little while ago, I was in a very challenging set of circumstances. I was overseeing a particular project. I was already stretched, already had too much demand on my time and what I was trying to do. And then some staffing issues hit. And it became a very high-pressured situation. There was some conflict and confrontation in the mix. There was a spiritual component, which was also intimidating. 
And I began waking up in the morning and immediately thinking about all this and immediately feeling anxious and stressed. You know it's not good when it's the first thing you think about when you open your eyes every single morning. I'd begun feeling anxious on the inside. I was pressured. I was becoming stressed. I wasn't sure what the outcome was going to be. And I was beginning to question if I could actually cope with the situation that was presenting itself. I was beginning to get fearful that actually even trying to keep standing where I was standing was going to damage me. It was going to make me unwell. Now, there's a Tuesday morning in the middle of this season, and I was feeling particularly vulnerable with these thoughts. And I was here in the office, and Martin came in and he said, are you all right? Now, there's something that happens when someone asks you that question. Now, if you've not cried for a decade, you're not going to understand this. But for those of us uh, who are in touch with our emotions, there's something that happens on those days when you're struggling but you're okay, and you're okay until someone you know says those three words. Are you all right? I don't know what it is about those words. It's like they've got a key to some deep well, and when they put those in, and when they say it, just you can't hold it back anymore. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Thank you, it's not just me. This is good. Are you all right, he said. And it was clear and apparent that I was not. Now, we had a brief conversation. We didn't talk about it for long, but I talked about the pressure, how I was feeling, and my concern as to whether I could do this, whether this was going to make me unwell. Anyway, we got on our work, with our work for the day, and about an hour later, he came into my office with his phone. He said, you need to listen to this, holding his phone, and there was a voicemail. And there's a leader of a church in Gloucester, Simon Jarvis, who we know a little, and he was driving somewhere else in the UK, I don't know where, and his voicemail said this, he said, hi, Martin, I'm just driving up, passing the exit to Coventry, and I'm praying for you and Esther. And he said, as I was praying, I sensed God say this, that whatever it is Esther is on with, she's going to come through, and she's going to come through strong. Wow. I got straight onto my laptop got it up there, printed it out as big as I could, started putting it on every screensaver, got it on my wall. It's like, this is the word that I needed. I can do it. A friend in Gloucester didn't know anything about what situation. But God knew. God knew where he'd asked me to stand. He knew what he'd asked me to do. He knew what it was costing me. He knew how near to the edge I was. And he knew in that moment that I needed a word. And thank God, a brother from Gloucester was listening in that moment and spoke it out. Whatever it is that's going on in your life today, God knows. He knows every detail of it. He knows the things that you've been thinking about. He knows the fear in your heart about what it's doing to you. He knows. That's why he's put it on my heart this morning to come and to tell you that you can do it. You can do it. You can do it in Christ with his help and with his strength. See, this morning I want to speak a little into the pressures and the challenges, the circumstances and the scenarios of life. Perhaps you've come here this morning or maybe you've spent the week feeling overwhelmed. Maybe you feel inadequate for what is in front of you. Maybe you find yourself facing something that is so big you don't know how you can possibly get through it. Maybe you're anxious about the impact it's having on you. Maybe there's thoughts in your head, in your heart. 
about whether you can really cope and whether you're going to get through. And this presents in so many different ways in our lives. In a congregation like this, there'll be so many different challenges. Maybe a business opportunity, maybe a challenge, an opportunity to take, but you're not sure if you can step into it. Maybe in this season, God's calling you to another level of surrender. Maybe you know there's a call on your life, or maybe you know he's just calling you deeper, maybe to lay something down or to push through into something else, but you don't know if really you can do it or you can make it. Believe me, the enemy will always come and tell you that you can't. Maybe there's a difficulty in your marriage or in your wider family. Maybe the raising of your children is challenging. Maybe you've embarked on fostering or adopting and, it, and it's hard to get through. Or maybe the Lord's speaking to you about those things, but you, you're just wavering, thinking, I don't know if I dare to do it. Maybe you're here today and you're parenting small children, actually just getting through the day and getting to bedtime is a challenge every day. Maybe your line manager is a challenge. Maybe someone that you love is sick. Or maybe you're facing sickness yourself. Maybe there's grief and pain in your life. Maybe there's legal issues and problems with visas. Maybe there's challenges on finances. How will we manage? How will we pay the bills this month? Or how will we fulfill our next level pledge? So many different ways. Life has many, many challenges, many pressures in the way that it stretches us, pushes us, sometimes grieves us. In fact, Jesus himself said in John 16, 33, he says, this, in this world you will have trouble. It's not a word we put on the fridge, is it? In this world you will have trouble. But then he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. We like the second half. We like to ignore the first half. And yet most of us, we live pretty much daily with the reality of the first half. Jesus overcame the world, and he wants to give strength to our hearts as we journey in the troubles of today. And Paul's encouragement comes to us this morning to remind you, to remind me that we can do it, that in Christ we can do it. Now, a brief proviso here. Of course, there are seasons where we have to reevaluate what we're doing the commitments of our lives. Even in staying surrendered before God, we have to revisit from time to time, am I still doing the things God told me I should be doing? Sometimes we have to lay things down. Sometimes seasons come to an end. Sometimes we have to reprioritize. I'm not speaking about those things this morning. Those are a part of healthy living. But I'm speaking this morning for those who are in a situation or a circumstance that you cannot remove yourself from, or one where you feel before God that you are where you should be doing the thing you should be doing, and yet feel stretched, and yet feel pressured, and yet feel hard-pressed and unsure if you can make it. It's into these situations this morning that I want to say, you can do it. You can, you can do it. So if we're going to receive this encouragement from Paul, it's really important that we understand, first and foremost, that Paul experienced suffering. Paul experienced suffering. You know, sometimes we hear encouragement or we hear someone say how they journeyed something. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we think, yeah, but that's okay for you because you were an apostle. You met him on the road. It's different. 
We think maybe someone else's situations are different. It doesn't apply to me. My situation now is different to yours. You don't know what it's like, Paul, to live the life I'm living or to be in the situation that I'm in. But Paul was not speaking out of fantasy. Paul was not thinking out of positive thinking or just trying to uh, imagine or conjure something up. Paul was writing these words from a prison. The best conditions he might possibly have been in was, it, was house arrest rather than actual prison. But he was in prison because of his faith and because of his preaching for Christ. But he was in captivity. He was in actual chains. If you read the whole letter in chapter 1, he talks about the actual chains that were on him. And he was writing to a church in Philippi, to a people that he'd suffered with and who were still suffering also. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 16, you can find out a bit of the backstory of Philippi, of how Paul and Silas went there and began the church there. It's some amazing stories of what happened in Philippi. There was a slave girl there, and she had a spirit in her that could predict the future. And it kept shouting and shouting after Paul and Silas. So in the end, they turned around and they cast the spirit out of the slave girl. But the slave girl's owners were livid with them because they made money out of this girl and the spirit that was in her. And so they kicked up absolute stink and uproar in the city so that loads of people came after Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas ended up being dragged to the authorities. It tells us they were stripped and they were beaten. They were severely flogged and then they were put in prison. Now, I don't know how bad your week has been. Some of you may have had a great week. Some of you may come in today, it's not been a great week. I can tell you mine's not been a great week. But by anyone's standards, this was a bad day. For Paul and for Silas, this was a really bad day. Paul experienced suffering. But in that instance, God intervened supernaturally, and they were released. You can read all about that in Acts chapter 16. And if you weren't here earlier this year at the end of January when Dr. John Andrews preached about that, I would highly recommend you go and find it in our podcast archive. It's well worth the listen. It was a powerful morning. But for this morning, the point is this, that Paul knew what it was to suffer, physical pain, limitation, hardship. He knew what it was to be in the toughest circumstances with the bleakest of outlooks. And when Paul writes this letter and these words that we read this morning, he was in prison again. He was a persistent offender for Christ, you might say. And in this instance, there'd been no intervention and there'd been no release. And so he's here writing to a church also that continues to suffer. He writes to those who are under extreme pressure. He calls them those who have been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Wow, there's a calling we don't all seek for. Granted to suffer for him. He talks about them as those who've contended at my side for the cause of the gospel. These were people who had suffered together. It was part of their journey. In fact, when you read through Philippians, you catch something of Paul's heart, a depth of affection for these people because they'd stood together, they'd suffered together, they'd stood for Jesus together. He writes of them as those, he says, those I love and long for because they'd suffered together. And it's from this backdrop of being in prison, writing to these people 
also still suffering that Paul says you can do it. You can do it. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And he's calling the Philippians. He's saying, learn from me, copy from me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So you can too. That's why he wrote to them to say, you can do it. I know it's hard, but you can do it. That's what he's writing to them. And it's what his words say to us this morning. You can do it, however tough it is. However hard going it is, whatever situation you're facing in Christ, you can do it. You can do it, my friends. You can do it with his help. So what is Paul really meaning here? Let's try and unpack and understand what he's saying so we can fully take it on board and be strengthened for our walk through his words. You see, Paul isn't saying that he's suddenly become multi-skilled. He hasn't suddenly thrown off the normal limitations of humanity. He's not become some sort of superhero with special powers. And it's important that we read this verse correctly within its context of the verses around it to understand what Paul's trying to teach to the Philippians and to us this morning. He says this, he says, I have learned the secret of being content. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I don't think I've ever heard anyone around my life say that. But Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, well-fed or hungry, in plenty or in want, imprisoned or free, in this case, miraculously released or not so this time. He says, I've learned the secret of being content. Wow, finding contentment in every situation. He'd learned to be content. You see, the truth is that Paul is saying, when you have contentment, whatever today demands of you, you can do it. When you have contentment, whatever your circumstances, you can do it. When you have contentment, whatever needs to be faced, you can do it. When you have contentment, however tough it might get, you can do it. When you have contentment, even if it is the worst case scenario that you end up facing today, in Christ, you can do it. Even if this time, God so far has not intervened in the way that he did last time. With contentment, you can still do it. So probably we all might ask the question, how can I possibly be content in every situation? How can I possibly find contentment there? You see, because to be content is to be satisfied with things as they are. It is to be willing to accept the circumstances. How could we be content? How could we accept circumstances that are difficult, pressurizing? And the truth is that without Christ, I don't know. Without Christ, I don't know how you could ever do that or have that. But with Christ, but with Christ, but with Christ, everything is different. Everything is changed because the one who makes all things and holds all things comes to give us strength and to be with us. And to really understand what Paul's saying in this verse, we have to understand something of what else he said in his letter. And let me just take you to some of the majestic verses of chapter 3. You see, in those verses, Paul writes of just how great it is to know Christ. 
just how wonderful. He says, whatever was to my profit, whatever was good in my life, he says, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. You see, Paul had found and he decided that nothing, nothing in life was as precious as Christ and knowing Christ. Nothing was worth pursuing like Christ. In fact, he'd come to a place where everything else in his life was like rubbish by comparison. And even the word that gets translated rubbish here, in the Greek it can mean rubbish or dung or anything that's rotting or decaying. He says, frankly, in my life, everything that isn't pursuing Christ is good for the bin. By comparison, this is like he's saying, this is the only way I can, I can say to you how precious Jesus Christ is, how valuable this is, how wonderful to know him and to have life in him. See, how could Paul be content in any and every circumstance? He could do that because he still had Christ. In every circumstance, in every situation, he still had Christ. His contentment came from his valuing Christ above everything else because no one could take that from him. He couldn't lose Christ. The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ was still his whatever happened, whatever turned up, whatever was said, whatever was done, whatever was done to him. He not only still had Christ in the midst of those circumstances, but Christ came and gave him strength. This is how Paul was able to say in anything, I can do it. I can do it. And we can learn here from Paul that we might know also that we can do it in Christ. We can do it. But it does come and ask us a really pertinent question, which is, what is Christ worth to me? What is Christ worth to you this morning? What is Christ worth to you? A few weeks ago when I traveled to Lebanon, I visited a work that we sense the Lord may be leading us to be involved with there as a church working with Syrian refugees, giving them practical help but seeing many of them, refugees from a Muslim background, coming and finding Christ. There's many incredible stories of people having visions and dreams of Jesus of miracles and healings. It was wonderful to hear of them and meet some of the people where God was at work there. And the first evening, I was able to join the pastor and we went and we visited a family. And the family had become acquainted with the church only because as a refugee family, their children, of which they have three, had no access to any education at all. They'd fled violence in Syria, that's why they were in Lebanon. And the church, because there were so many families, thousands and thousands of families like this have begun a church in their building, uh, sorry, a school in their building. They used to have an underground car park, they now have a school. There's still marks on the lines where the car parking places are, but there's desks and there's chairs in there. 
And so their children had begun to go to this school. And their oldest son, who's 12 years old, in amongst the lessons and the teaching that they get, they also every day, they have half hour in the chapel and they learn about Jesus and they sing about Jesus and how Jesus has saved us. And so their 12-year-old son had given his life to Jesus. And not long afterwards, his mom had done the same. And this is what this church find often as they educate the children. The families come to see Christians who are altogether different from anyone they've met before. And they begin to see the reality of Jesus Christ. And this was okay for the family until just a couple of weeks before I went out there, something had happened to the dad. The dad had had two different dreams. The first was of John the Baptist. And he said, in the dream, I was trying to follow after someone, but people were pulling me back. But John the Baptist was there saying, come, come on, come and follow. He had no idea who John the Baptist was, by the way. It's just in the dream, he knew that's who it was. And then he had a second dream. And this time Jesus appeared to him and called him to follow him. And this is what this man did. And he too came to church and began a journey and gave his life to Christ. But the challenge was that once they did that, was that the families around them and their wider family began to persecute them. Both families, the mother's family and the father's family, both completely rejected them and wouldn't speak with them or have anything to do with them. Both the wider families and other Muslim families within even the refugee community began to threaten them. They were getting texts and threats of violence. The church had had to help them get off the refugee camp where they were because they were surrounded by Muslim families and they were in very real danger. And yet as we sat talking with this little family, the mom had obviously been a Christian now for a little while and she said, this has caused me to pray more. This has caused me to read my Bible more. This has made me get closer to Jesus. And she talked Even in that moment there, she said, it's so wonderful how even in the midst of the tragedy of the Syrian war, so many of us Syrian Muslims have been able to find Christ. And they sat and they talked with joy and with peace in the midst of a situation where really there shouldn't be any of those things. You see, they're refugees, they've lost their home, they've lost their belongings. They're not in their homeland. Their wider family have now rejected them. The community that they used to be part of are threatening them. But still in Christ, there was strength. In Christ, there could still be contentment because he is worth it. He is worth it. They'd found something of what Paul had discovered, that even though the circumstances were bleak, but with Christ, they could do it, and they can do it. And the church doing a phenomenal job there of standing with families like that, being family to them in their moment of need, encouraging them to keep believing that they can do it, and that Jesus won't leave them now he's found them. This is true for us too. We can do all things when we grasp that Jesus Christ, God himself, who is more precious than anything, that he's with us, that he loves us, that he's strengthening us when we choose to walk with Christ. Friends, whatever it is we're facing, we can do it. We can do it. He's greater than it all. 
And I believe the Lord this morning wants to use this word and minister it into some hearts and some spirits to impart this word into people, to grow faith. But I also want to briefly give some practical tools that are from these verses just pointers, if you like, to help us on the journey, to help us know Christ more, to help us find strength in him. So first up, verse four, really simply, Paul says, rejoice. He says, rejoice. This book of Philippians, it is full of talk of rejoicing and joy, which for being a letter from one man in prison to some other people who are suffering, you might find surprising, but it's full of it again and again and again in the letter Paul talks about it. And you see, the truth is that we may not feel very happy but we can always choose to rejoice. We may not feel happy, but we can always choose to rejoice. That is to choose to be glad and to take delight in the Lord, to call to mind the greatness of God, to call to mind the wonder of his salvation and grace for us, that he's given himself for us, to call to mind his beauty, his wonder, his majesty, his holiness, his presence with us here and now. To rejoice is to call it to mind maybe to rehearse it. It's why we worship and sing songs about it. It's a way of rejoicing. When we rejoice, we choose to bring to mind how good and how faithful God is. And it shifts our perspective. It shifts our focus from the size of the problem to the greatness and the sufficiency of the God that we serve. It reminds us of our commitment, of his commitment to Awesome. When we rejoice, it reminds us that with him, we can do it. Secondly, Paul says, pray. Pray. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I think sometimes we can think that prayer is a discipline that we should all be doing more. And probably at one level it is. We can all think that prayer is something we should be doing and should have a greater part in our life. But when it comes to these seasons and we're having a tough time, can I say, friends, the Lord isn't looking for us to fulfill our prayer discipline. He's inviting us to come and to pour our burdens on him in those moments. He invites us to come and to pour out our hearts to him. The psalmist says, pour out your hearts to the Lord, for he is your refuge. He's not looking for you to come like some sort of austere friend that you're trying to keep a handle on yourself so you can just have a polite conversation. He's saying, come as you are. Let it spill out here before me. If you need to offload, come on, offload to me, he says. The psalmist also says, praise be to the Lord our God who daily bears our burdens. He's looking to journey with us, to take it off us and to carry it. Sometimes I think we choose to carry it ourselves. I don't know if you've ever been, just very occasionally I've been to hotels where there's a porter who takes your bag for you. Now, my husband is very good at carrying my bags, but when I go to places and I meet strangers, I'm not used to them carrying my bags. I don't go to those kinds of establishments very often, and so I feel a bit awkward about it. So I want to know I can do that. I can take my bag. I don't know if it's just that I'm fiercely independent, or I don't know what it is. The first time this ever happened, I went to a hotel, and the porter came out, and he was at least 80 years old, perhaps older. He had some slight breathing difficulties. Can you imagine? It's like, I was 21 years old. I'd never been anywhere where anyone carried my bags. I was just trying to learn, learn to serve. And then this 80-year-old who sounds like he might already be halfway to some sort of ambulance trip offers to carry my bag. I'm like, 
no, I can do this, I've got this, please sit down. Sometimes we can be like this with God, and He is well able to carry your bags. But sometimes I say, no, I'll do it. I'm good with this, I've got this. You just sit there, you look after someone else. Yeah, I don't know what it is we say. I don't know what it is quite in our heads, but sometimes we just keep carrying it. When He's waiting to take the burden, pray. This is what prayer is. It's real life, real time connection with the living God. Whatever that needs to look like. And if your situation is difficult, then bring it to him. And let it be the point where you connect with him. When we begin to do this, then it means that when our circumstances are hard and the challenges are large, then we learn to lean more on Christ. We learn to find him in the midst of it. The pressure can drive us deeper into Jesus Christ and into a closer relationship with him. And you know, if we learn to let challenges do this for us, then all that life or the enemy can ever throw at us, anything they can do, they will only ever deliver us into greater intimacy and closeness with Jesus Christ. That's all they can do because that's what everything will make us do. And when we know Christ and when we pray like this and we keep finding strength in him, then we can, friends, certainly do it. Thirdly, Paul says, be thankful. He says, with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving. Tool number three is the gratitude. Be grateful. Be thankful. Gratitude is incredibly simple and incredibly powerful. It's a simple thing. But when we're actively grateful, it humbles us. It changes the position of our hearts. It positions us to receive grace and to receive from Christ. When I begin to list and rehearse what God has done for me with gratitude, it changes the position of my heart. You know, I'm not immune to difficult situations. Even this week, there's been some challenging things, some challenging news, and you're like, God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand, and I, I don't know what's going on here, and I don't like it. But then when I begin to remember what he's done for me, then it changes the position of my heart. Even when the situation's difficult, even when I don't understand, when I start talking with him about what he's done for me, it all looks different. I say, thank you, Lord, you came and found me. When I was just a little girl, you came and found me, and you took me at my word, and you came into my life, and then you have never let go. Even when I've been rebellious, even when I've been proud, even when I've done stupid things and wandered away from you, still you held on to me. Thank you for your patience with me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you've given me your spirit to live in me, that he's here all day, every day, working with the rubbish of my life to make me more like Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all the seasons that you've brought me through, the difficult things that you've provided, and you've graced me with your presence. And when I begin to rehearse what he's done, it just changes my heart. The questions don't go away but my heart is positioned differently and I can receive grace and strength from God again. And I remember that if it wasn't for his help and strength, I would not even have got this far. And it helps me to remember that he will carry me on for the next leg of the journey. As the great hymn, Amazing Grace says, "'Twas grace that brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home." Sometimes we think somehow we've got this far on our own, but no. We got this far with God, and when we say thank you, 
it opens up our faith to remember that he will take us on. So rejoice, pray, be thankful. Finally, fourthly, think, Paul says. Think, think about what you think about. He actually says, think about such things, things that are true and noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. When was the last time in this world that you heard a list like that? There aren't many things, are there, that fulfill a list like that. But Paul says, think about such things. You know, the things that we choose to think about or the things that we allow in our heads, they impact everything in our lives. It impacts our words and our confession. It impacts our mood and our emotions. It impacts our faith and it impacts our actions, which means what is going on in here in your head is really important. Which is why Paul says, think about such things. You see, the description in this list, really, it's like a description of Jesus. Jesus is these things. He's true. He's noble. He's right. He's pure. He's praiseworthy. He's excellent. He's lovely. And Paul is saying, fill your mind with things that are like Christ. Fill your mind with Christ. Make your thinking be a place where there is room for Christ. Paul says it elsewhere in 2 Corinthians 10. He actually tells the believers to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Actually, if we're attentive to fill our minds with Christ and that which is like Christ, it strengthens our mind, it changes our words, it impacts our faith, it alters our mood, and it enables us to keep going. You know, the enemy is goading us to give up all the time, all the time. Whenever it hits a hard season, the enemy will say, you won't do it. You won't be able to make it. You should give up. That's why we must be really attentive to what we're thinking of what is pure, true. What is true? What is noble? What is right? What is lovely? What is admirable? Is Christ in our thoughts? Because that's where we'll find strength to keep going. And when you think about such things, you can do it. You can do it. Rejoice, pray, be thankful, think about what you think about. These things will help you to know Christ and to find strength in Christ. And when our strength is coming from him for whom there's no limit, then we can certainly, certainly do it. Friends, this morning, whatever your situation, whatever your challenge, Jesus Christ is enough. He is enough to be with you and for you to be content in the here and in the now today. He's enough for every circumstance. He's enough to bring you through. He knows what you need. And where the current circumstances leave your heart empty or hurting, you can bring that to him. And he is enough to fill you and to satisfy you. He wants you to pour out your hearts to him. He wants to carry your burdens for you. He wants to draw you closer to himself so he can bring you through. He wants to give you strength today so you can do it. One last story as I finish. I was talking not long ago with someone who had recently for the first time told somebody else about some terrible things that had happened to them in their childhood. And they'd carried around shame and pain because of it and never dared to tell anybody. And they thought they would never, ever be free of it. They were afraid of the prospect of counseling having to open up old wounds and face familiar but buried pain. I was able to point them in the right direction of a counselor because they needed some professional help. But every time I met with them, 
I would say, Jesus is going to bring you through this. You can do it. Because every time it all seemed too much, I thought, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm just going to retreat back to where I've lived the last 20, 30 years. I kept saying, you can do it. You can do it. There is a way through this. Jesus will help you. He will bring you out the other side. He will not bring you halfway and leave you. He will bring you the whole way. It's another verse from Philippians. He always carries on to completion what he begins. He used to say, you don't have to carry this. Jesus is going to help you. You can do it. And Jesus did. And she did come through it. She worked it through. She opened up. She asked for God's help and grace and found it. Allowed him to take the burden and he brought them through it. With Christ, they could do it. And as she came out of the other side, they began to sense God calling them to help others who'd been through something similar. They began to find that there was some purpose in the pain and some fruitfulness out of their journey. See, there's nothing too big in your life that Jesus Christ cannot overcome it. There is nothing in your life that Jesus is intimidated by. There's no pain, there's no problem, there's no obstacle, there's no failure, there's, there's nothing that cannot be overcome by Jesus Christ. And yes, it's tough. Yes, it can be hard. Yes, it can be challenging. But Jesus can use it all to bring you closer to him and then to deliver him into your kingdom-bringing purpose that he made you to outwork. So don't give up partway. Don't give up. Keep going. Because with Christ, you can do it. You can do it. There's some words here today. There's some practical things to respond to and to put into practice. But I'm also believing this morning for an impartation. Actually, there's some people you came in today and it's like it's so strong in you that you're not going to make it through. And I believe the Lord wants to impart something of faith to you this morning. That actually you're going to receive, not just hear this message, but receive this message today. So as we come to finish in a moment, I'm going to give a chance to respond for you to come forward and to be prayed for. As I'm believing that Holy Spirit is going to minister this deep into your spirit. That you're going to hear some words today, but through the week, as it goes on, these words are going to resonate again and again. It's going to be just like an echo inside of you, in the depths of you, that you can do it. There's going to be a different message playing on the inside of you this week. I believe that is what Holy Spirit wants to do today. But why don't we all step, stand to our feet? And if you know this morning that you want to respond, that you need to receive something from God, then just come out of your seat and come to the front so that I can pray with you in a moment. Numbers of people responding in the first service. Whatever your situation, whatever your challenge, whatever it is going on, you can do it. You can do it. Just step to the front now and I'm gonna pray for us all and then we're gonna sing together and while we're doing that, we're gonna pray with all those who've come to the front. Don't stay in your seat if you know you need to respond this morning. Don't miss out because you weren't sure. The person next to you won't mind at all stepping out for you to come to the front. There were numbers of things I could have preached on this morning. But the Lord wanted me to speak to you this morning that you can do it. You can do it. 
The enemy will time and again come and tell you that you can't because it's all he's got, his empty words. But you can do it. In Christ, you can do it. In Christ, you can do it. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you sent us Jesus. We thank you for a Savior who knows what it's like to walk in flesh, who knows what it's like to be under pressure. And now by your Spirit is with us in all circumstances and all situations. We thank you that we are able to know Christ, Jesus our Lord, in His beauty and glory and grace and wonder and holiness and be utterly transformed. And we thank you, Lord, that in the midst of our challenge, you come and you meet us and you strengthen us and you help us and you walk with us. And we say thank you. In this place today, Holy Spirit, we invite you to minister to every heart and to every life that this word would be planted in them, that any weeds of the enemy of a different message and a different confession would be rooted out this morning. And these words that you can do it would be planted. You can do it would be planted. But in Christ, we can do all things. And Lord, we say thank you. And we make room for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.